I'll just get us started about 10 minutes early. And we're on right now. So um, we're glad that you're here this morning. If you are tuning in to us later today or later this week, just to let you know you're in the right place. This is uh, Crosspoint Fellowship on live, our online live feed. Uh, the date is uh, May 3rd, and uh, we're really glad that you're joining us. Uh, we'll get started in about 10 minutes. So if you did dial in and you're wanting to watch this later this week or today, you can just fast forward about 10 minutes and that'll be right about what time we pick up. Between now and then, you can um, just hang out and we'll hang out too and we'll see you in a few minutes. Are you on? Yeah. It was weird. It was really weird. The day Daniel joined me was was really cool. And we all were sitting out there at the end of the hallway. It was a treat. It was, yeah, it was just a strange experience. Oh, I need to do something else too. I'm on this. How has it sounded? He said it sounded well. Our internet, like that's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. I get it on Mondays. Oh, really? Yeah. And I can go to my office now because I'm in my office again. We've got lightning fast. So we've got that too. What did you say? One time we went down the door, one time we sat in the church parking lot. That's so strange. I don't have internet out there. We do. I mean, it's just it's slow. It's so slow. slow. Like that. It takes forever to load. We run out. Ah, ah. Is this still here? Oh. Just trying Hey, Shannon. Hey, can you talk me through that connection again? I'm on the YouTube Crosspoint Fellowship page. I've already started the live stream, so I'm live streaming right now, but I need to try and figure out. I found the... Um, I found the live thing going right now, and I can't remember where I go from there. Is it YouTube Studio? Or... Okay. Ah, that's it. Save. And I'm saving as cross. It looks like you've already done it. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Somebody fixed it. All right. Okay. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Shannon. Appreciate it. Sorry about that. I want to share some brief announcements with you all. We're about five minutes out. So if you're on with us right now, just uh, hang in there. If you've um, if you're joining in later this uh, today or this week, uh, again, you can fast forward ahead to 10 minutes. I'll share these announcements at the end as well. So folks won't miss it. May is a month that we're praying for for uh, first responders. Uh, we have some of our first responders uh, in at Crosspoint that we'll be praying for uh, as they come to mind. And um, but just in our just those who serve our community in general. It's a month we want to dedicate uh, intentional, mindful prayer. I think the uh, the little uh, 
bracelets went out in back in the bags for our, our members, our, our members, and those that have been visiting with us this this week. So those little blue um, bracelets are for that purpose to just sort of remind you to lift them up. I want to invite you or encourage you to invite others to join us online. Uh, uh, some, in fact, it was my neighbor pointed out to me yesterday that. Uh, he said, you know, I'm convinced there are going to be people that are listening and joining in to church services through this medium that wouldn't otherwise, uh, that may not feel comfortable stepping in the doors of a building. And in this season where people are worshiping sort of virtually, this may be a space that people uh, can step into and taste and see that the Lord is good. So invite neighbors and friends and uh, workmates and folks that that you um, have a sense that are, you know, firsthand that they're not part of the local church. Invite them to join us online and um, pray that the Lord would use that. And the last thing, announcement-wise, we have a deacons meeting at 4 p.m. this afternoon. It's a Zoom meeting, and I sent out an invitation that I'll resend this afternoon, uh, linking everybody if, if you missed that this week. That's 4 p.m. for our deacons, and we'll get started here in about three minutes. Thanks again for joining us. Mm -hmm. Not yet. We haven't appointed them yet. Is it now? Is it on now? Let me check it. I see the one from last week. Really? Yeah, it's not showing up. Yeah, we have some folks on that I've probably just connected to the YouTube channel. Can you see how many people are connected? I can. Um, the first first few weeks, it was sixty to seventy folks or sites. The third of May. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Daniel, once we get started, can you shut down my uh, Bluetooth so yeah. so it doesn't ring on that yeah. speaker? Be my sound guy. We did. It's just technology. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're going to get started. And uh, if you are listening in later later today um, or this week, we uh, treasure your time, even though it may not be right with us this very moment. Uh, we're hoping and praying that the Lord uses this time uh, to equip you, to uh, draw you into his presence, to show you the greatness of his son. Uh, sort of the plan for the morning is I'm going to share just a, a few brief announcements and then um, a time of prayer. And then we're going to climb into the word together in Matthew chapter six. So let's... Um, 
Uh, let me share these announcements first. I'll share these at the end as well. A month is uh, May is the month that we're praying for our first responders. So I encourage you to, uh, if you know some folks are related to, are married to, some of you are or uh, first are first responders, that you'll be lifting them up this month. Especially, I think we should always pray for those that serve our community in this way. Um, but pray for endurance, pray for safety, pray for protection. Uh, that folks that are going in, in and out of homes and making traffic stops and uh, ambulance uh, visits and things like that, that just a prime opportunity for folks to be um, exposed to all manner of stuff apart from the uh, the virus that we're, is kind of all front and center right now. But this is a time that we want to be dedicated as a people lifting them up. So we have some uh, first responders even in our own congregation. So we want to be praying especially for them this month. I want to encourage you to invite folks to join us online. This may be a medium where folks can connect to the people of God and connect to the preaching of the word each week in a, a, a space that they wouldn't otherwise. Uh, there may be folks that um, are unwilling, are concerned or anxious about stepping into the doors of a, a church building on a Sunday morning, but they can still gather in some ways through this virtual medium uh, and hear the teaching and preaching of the word. So encourage that among your workmates and friends. Uh, lastly, announcement wise, we have a deacons meeting uh, at 4 p.m. today on a Zoom meeting. So I'll remind our deacons of that. Uh, later on today and send you a link for that uh, meeting. Just one other uh, brief announcement. I think I would like to, it probably makes a little sense to share with you. We had a, a member meeting uh, this last Sunday night. Uh, it was really cool seeing that many people on one Zoom meeting uh, and it actually wasn't chaotic. Um, we we had a really uh, productive meeting. It was fun seeing everybody's faces. I think everybody enjoyed that. I think uh, something we're going to be experiencing in our community right now is the question of when are we going to join back in corporate worship again? And that you need to know that that is something that is front and center to us right now, that we are praying that through that. We're discussing that. We're planning for that. Uh, one of the things we don't want to do is we don't want to call what we're doing right now a wash, because if you're in your home right now and you're with your family and you're worshiping or later on today as you dial in and you bring your family around a, a television or a computer and around the word and around a supper and spend time in prayer, you're doing what we pined for 17 years ago when we planted this church. I mean, in some ways we're counting this a win that he's growing home um, centered, home um, nurtured, worship and training in the things and truths of righteousness. That that's a win. We don't want to drag our feet in gathering together again, but we also don't want to rush it to where we're all having to wear masks and take temperatures on each other. And we wave at each other and keep our distance from each other. And Amen. thank you. Thank you. That's just, I mean, I, I don't want to dismiss folks that might, be doing that right now that man let's let's do let's be all in and blameless in uh what the lord leads us to do in our local churches and we want to cheer for those who may be gathering this sunday that god will use that gathering despite the difficulties and the 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 hoops that we're having to to clear uh, but as far as we go man let's celebrate that we are more maybe more like the worship of the early church right now than we've been in the history of our church that's something that we can celebrate, that we can trust that the Lord will use as you and your families are you in your homes. You as families are doing the best you can to lead your families in worship. Uh, so uh, we don't want to drag our feet, but we also don't want to rush it. So it'll be a phased transition and we'll do the best we can to keep you updated on how that's going and what that looks like date wise, time wise and steps wise. So let's uh, start our morning in prayer. We're going to pray for our first responders. We're going to pray for a people group in Nigeria. We're going to pray for uh, Chet and Terry Haney and Highland Terrace Baptist Church. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for these few minutes that we have together. We're thankful for this medium uh, that helps us continue to uh, gather in some ways into this virtual space. We trust that you'll use it. We trust that you uh, that your word does not return void, uh, that as we enjoy you through the teaching and preaching of your word, that you do something to us, that you transform us, that you renew us, uh, you quicken us, you animate us, uh, you guide us and you direct us. Lord, we are thankful right up front before we even climb into your word that you're going to do that to us and in us and ultimately through us that you will uh, 
create and foster in us a salty, bright, aromatic presence in our community. Lord, we uh, are asking for big things this morning, but already thanking you uh, that you're going to do something great. Uh, Lord, too, we want to pray for a people group, uh, the uh, Kanuri people of Nigeria, 7 million people of 0.01% of which are Christians. Lord, we want to pray for this people group that you would draw them to you, that you would stir hearts to look for answers, to understand who they're and know who their creator is. And Lord, that you would couple that with workers who can't stay, workers that have this burning in their bones to take the truth to the far corners of the field. And Lord, that in this people group that you will send workers to sow the, the good seed of the kingdom and that that will bear fruit for your name and for your glory and you'll draw this people group to you. Lord, also we want to pray for our first responders, for those uh, firemen and policemen and medical uh, folks that serve us in so many different ways. Lord, we are grateful. We're grateful for their sacrifice and their service, Lord. We're thankful um, for the love that they put on display as they put themselves out there for friends and family and community. Lord, we pray that you would give them endurance. I pray that you would give them, uh, uh, that you'd fuel them with, with worship. Lord, that they would, that their eyes would be fixed and oriented on you as they serve their community. Lord, I pray that you would sustain their families as they are stretched and challenged. And in some ways right now being maybe potentially exposed to things that the rest of us aren't. We ask you to protect them, Lord. To protect them physically, protect them spiritually, protect their families relationally as they're maybe away from each other for extended periods. Lord, we are entrusting those that are so uh, gracious to us and so loving toward us in their service to you this morning and thankful for the chance to lift them up. Lord, also this morning, we'll pray for Chet and Terry Haney. And we're thankful for the chance to lift up another church in our community and to ask you to bless them, Lord, as they uh, just still dealing with building stuff and trying to uh, recover from the destruction in a matter of minutes of their worship center. Lord, we are entrusting them to you this morning and asking you to bless them through their uh, virtual wor worship and their virtual gatherings and the eventual physical gatherings, Lord, that you would just bless them. I pray that they would look back at this season and see that you did something profound with them in this season as well. Lord, we pray that, that uh, Chet and Terry would, would be fueled by and governed by worship. and pray that you would sustain uh, Chet as he teaches and preaches each week as he shepherds, that he would be fueled by, governed by, fed by, animated by, quickened by the goodness and greatness of Christ. Uh, entrusting Chet and Terry and Alan Terrace uh, Baptist Church to you this morning. I'm praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, um, we're going to read our scripture in a moment, but I want to just share a thought with you before you get started. It's a tough topic. It's one of those things that you have to just prepare yourself this morning to look in a mirror. I found a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that said, every man alone is sincere. At the entrance of a second person, hypocrisy begins. I appreciate that honesty because the reality is we are all hypocrites in some degree. And there are times where we're more hypocrites than others. Um, it's, this, this is going to be one of those sermons. I think that's going to be uncomfortable. I think what is going to add to the, to the, uh, the discomfort, is that as Jesus is preaching on this matter of hypocrisy, uh, he is going to present the definition of hypocrisy that's alarming. It's alarming, it's uncomfortable, it's illuminating, but knowing that we're talking about our Lord preached it, a living word that doesn't return void, we can trust also that it's transformative, that it's gonna transform the people of God as we gather at his feet on this on this mount uh, 2,000 years ago in this big sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. So if you would join me and stand in, um, stand for the reading of God's word from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6 and then verses 16 through 21. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you give to the needy, do not let your, let, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your, your giving may be in secret, 
and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jump down to verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be seen by others or may not be seen by others, but by your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us through these words. Open our eyes to our own need for Christ. Open our eyes to our own need for transformation. Well, we are thankful for the, uh, the words that are going to expose and also anticipating the words that are going to transform. And trusting this time and these words and this, these few minutes that we have to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Okay, let me acquaint you with the structure of this passage first. I think it's helpful to sort of have a bird's eye view of the passage so that you can make sense of what we're looking at. Verse one is introductory. Verse one is going to have in it a frightening, and I mentioned this already, a frightening, alarming, and uncomfortable definition of hypocrisy. So get ready in verse one. Verse 19 through 21 are the conclusion to this passage, often mislabeled due to the heading in our Bible, which I'm about to show you in a, little, in a few minutes. 19 through 21 are the conclusion to this passage. Now, verses 2 through 18 deal with, except for a little section in, on, on prayer, deal with three things, three religious acts. Okay, Alms is an old-fashioned way of saying giving to providing for the needy is dealt with in verses 2 through 4. Prayer in verses 5 and 6. And then fasting in verses 16 through 18. So I'm going to give you that outline again so you can kind of have a bird's eye aerial view of this passage. Verse one is introductory with this alarming definition of hypocrisy in it. Verses 19 through 21 are conclusions. So that's your sort of your intro and your conclusion. And then within, he deals with three things, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Okay, so let's deal with our introduction, unearth this uh, shocking, alarming definition of hypocrisy. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. The word beware should really, I mean, it could, given the original language, have exclamation points after it. The word beware means pay attention. So it's like the beginning of a sermon starting out. Now we're embedded within the middle of his sermon, but at least the way he's orchestrated this morning, he's starting out our sermon by saying, beware followers of Christ, pay attention followers of Christ. It is a call to attentiveness. Beware, pay attention of practicing your righteousness. Now I'm gonna stop right there to point out what he's not saying. He's not saying beware, are pay attention, followers of Christ, of practicing your righteousness. Practicing righteousness is awesome. In fact, he gives three wonderful examples here. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting, all of which are assumed that you should be doing. Okay, practicing righteousness is not what we need to be aware of. It's how we go about practicing righteousness. There's a qualifying phrase after that. It says before other people in order to be seen by them. Beware followers of Christ 
of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. This qualifying phrase is the key to understanding the whole rest of this passage and the whole rest of the sermon. He's going to illustrate it in three ways through almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. But see it right now. Reckon with us right off the bat. He's condemning doing good things for the wrong reasons. He's condemning doing good things with wrong motives. Now, let me just point this out. I think we need to, to sort of pan out also where we've been in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 16 and 17. Um, actually, I'll start with, uh, just actually 15 and 16. He speaks of doing stuff publicly. So I want to round this out before we get into what he's saying over here in chapter six. He says, don't uh, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. He's not condemning public ministry over here. The title of the sermon is secret worship, but it's not to condemn public ministry. Jesus ministered publicly. He prayed publicly. He did all manner of things publicly. He's not condemning public ministry. He's dealing with this qualifier, doing it for the wrong reasons. For the right reasons is over here in chapter five, being salty and bright and aromatic, letting your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. That's the qualifier over there. That the point there is God's glory. What he's condemning here is doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Now, here's the shocking definition of hypocrisy in Matthew and in Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Hypocrisy. Here's the way we define it. A supposedly faithful person who's actually living an immoral life. I mean, if you go to Webster's, that's basically the definition. A supposedly moral person who you come to find out is actually immoral. They've been doing the right things on the outside, but come to find out there's all manner of craziness, stuff, crazy stuff going on. OK, that's how we typically define hypocrisy. How he's defining hypocrisy here is alarming. And it is this an outwardly righteous person who's doing the right things with the wrong motives. A righteous person on the outside who's doing all the right things, but with the wrong motives. And the promise here is no reward from your father. You're going to get a reward and I'll put air quotes around it because it's pretty lame. You're going to get a reward, but you're not going to get a reward from your father in heaven. All right, let's look at our three examples. We're going to look at them all together and then because they have a lot of similarities in structure and in point. So we're going to deal with all of them together. Uh, looking at verse two, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Look for similar structure and similar patterns here between these three. Look in verse five. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. There it is. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Here's the third one, verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. The word there actually is agonizo, which you're going to see again later in the morning. Agonizo, their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
All right, there's similar structure in all three of these. But before we get into them, I said this earlier on, I hinted at it, but I want to take a moment to say, he's assuming that followers of Christ do these things. He's already assuming that followers of Christ do these things. He says, when you pray, when you give alms, when you fast, not if, it's assumed that that's the kind of people that we're supposed to be, caring for the needy, praying and fasting and seeking the Lord's face. That's the assumption right off the bat. So if we can't even go there, then maybe there's some time to, to consider, Lord, change that in me, that I'm actually doing that, that you're assuming that I'm doing anyway. But now how I go about it is what this sermon is about. All of these have a similar structure. They deal with an example, uh, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting. Then they deal with a foolish, foolish exchange. And then they present ways to fight the temptation to do it for the wrong motives. Okay, so they have the same structure, the example, the foolish exchange, and then ways to fight the temptation to do the right thing for all the wrong reasons. So here's the first one, almsgiving. The almsgiving foolish exchange is to make a big deal of giving to the needy that they may be praised by others. Christy and I have a, a little phrase that we use often when we're, you know, say I've done the dishes or done something special for her. And I'm like, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but do -do 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 -do. Man, we all have that in us. We all want people to know when we've done some good things. So we've got to deal with this right up front. This is very natural. There's some measure of this in all of us. There's one of my favorite videos on, you need to look this up on YouTube, is just Google this. She ran a marathon and didn't tell anyone. Just Google that. She ran a marathon and didn't tell anyone. Don't do it right now. I mean, we're in the middle of a sermon, but later on, just make a little note about that. She ran a marathon and didn't tell you. It is hilarious. We love for people to see our acts and our deeds. And he says, well, when they see it, that's going to be your reward. When they praise you, that's going to be your reward if that's the reason you're doing it. That's the important qualifier. If you're doing it for praise of man, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So the way to fight it, fight it basically by giving so secretly, it's a, it's a uh, sort of a, a, an exaggeration that your left hand does not even know what your right hand is doing. I'll give you an example of what this, I think this is going to sound like in the saints. I think this is what this is going to sound like for a follower of Christ. This sort of disposition with the left hand and the right hand don't even really know how they're caring for other people. <clears throat> Just sit back and listen to this passage and see if you don't see it. When the son of man comes in his glory, this is in Matthew chapter 25, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates a sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left, and the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? I don't even recall. My left hand didn't even know what my right hand was doing. I, I, I don't even recall all that. And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? I don't even recall all those things. And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Contrast the answer. From the goats, they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? I seem to recall every single time where I did all those things. In fact, I've got a handy list that I made here. You can go back and look at my Facebook feed of all the amazing things that I did for all people in need. What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? You see the difference in contrast between sheep and goats? Man, sheep are just serving because it's the right thing to do. It's the next right thing. And the goats, on the other hand, man, I need the glory. I need the praise. I recall all the things 
that I've ever done for the kingdom. And I'm going to point them out to you. Give so secretly that your left hand does not know what your right hand is doing. Give secretly. The second one there is prayer. The prayer foolish exchange, foolish exchange is where they're praying public, publicly that they may be seen by others. Okay, public prayer is not condemned. You need to understand that. Jesus prayed publicly. There's nothing wrong with praying publicly. Uh, what's condemned is doing it for the purpose of praise from others. I had a little taste of this a couple months ago. I don't think that I'm conditioned by this, really. Um, I feel like when I'm talking to God, I'm just talking to God. And I don't feel like I have to use big special words or talk in a special tone. I, I don't I appreciate when other people pray that way. But I went to a little presentation at the um, the school district um, and uh, it was a, a, a gathering of faith leaders in our area. And uh, it was an awesome presentation, some amazing things going on in our schools, in our district right now. Um, and at the end of it, uh, they, they had all the religious, the Christian or faith leaders stand in a circle and hold hands. And they went around the group, went around the line praying. And I was toward the end. Like it started almost on the opposite end from me. And every prayer was more awesome than the last one. I felt like I was um, like back in the days when people were, I guess people were still break dancing. This is not my thing, you know, but, but I felt like it was like a, a dance off, you know, where like people surround the guy in the center and he represents, you know, he, where are you represent? And he gets out and he does his break dancing and then it goes to the next guy and they sort of vote on who did the better job. That's what it felt like to me. And I, my, man, my heart's racing. I'm sweating. We had to hold hands too. And I'm not, you know, people I didn't even know. People I didn't even know. And their prayers were amazing. Their prayers were like um, those prayers that are sort of a, almost kind of a chant, you know, where that man, they're talking in a way that I'm like, does God talk like that? I'm, a, I'm not, I'm barely gonna be able to understand it. Now I'm, I'm being facetious. I, I really enjoyed their prayers and I enjoy people that have sort of a metric tone or metric um, tenor, if that's not the word I'm looking for, the metric chanting sound of their prayers were there. They're lost in it. And I, it was awesome. And then it came to me and I felt like I needed to, I needed to represent cross point fellowship. And man, it was terrible. It was terrible. I was stumbling all over myself. It's like, I, you ever even prayed before? I mean, after I was just shaking my head, walking out of this, I'm such a loser. I lost, I lost the dance off, but I wanted to pray. I wanted to, to impress them. I wasn't focused on God. I was focused on impressing my fellow faith leaders in the area. Say, man, Crosspoint Fellowship must have it going on. Did you hear their preacher preach? I mean, I uh, pray. And it was terrible. It was terrible. I couldn't even dance. All right. So um, it's a long story, long investment. It's just kind of a funny story. Maybe the prayer as you go into our closets, because there's, there's a way to fight it. Okay. The way to fight is pri praying privately or inwardly might be a good way to put it. Praying privately or inwardly and praying. Maybe the content of that prayer is Lord wean me from praying to impress. Wean me from that. Drag me away from that. Fix my eyes on the, um, the heavenly father that I'm praying to and tune out all else. Maybe that's a way to pray. Okay. The third thing was fasting. The foolish exchange for fasting is to disfigure your faces. I mean, you can just imagine how somebody's fasting. Look, I'm going to suck, suck in your cheeks. You're like, you're really hungry. I'm really hungry. I don't know what to look like when I'm really hungry because I don't get hungry very often where I don't tend to it. But I mean, you can imagine people disfiguring their faces so that they will, other people will see how hungry and pious you are. Man, why is he look so bad? His hair is messed up. He looks really hungry. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's praying and fasting. Like, man, he must be really pious. Well, that's their reward if they're doing it for that reason. If they're doing it for other people, other people's praise to say he's so pious and religious and fervent, he's going without food. Man, he must really love the Lord. Here's a way to fight it. Fast like you're not fasting. Fast like you're on holiday. Fast like you just had a big old breakfast. Comb your hair, wash your face, look like you're on holiday. Fast like you're not fast. Okay. So that's the, the way to fight it. Now the promise in all of these is God sees in secret and God 
rewards. Every single one of them. It's the same. God sees in secret in verses four, verse six and verse 18. And he rewards. John Calvin uh, said this or wrote this. I don't know which. He may have said it also. Uh, the theater of God is in the hidden corners. That's good. The theater of God is in the hidden corners. God sees and God rewards. I'm going to deal with the reward thing. I'm going to dedicate a whole Sunday to that next week. The reward that is promised. But I want to deal with the conclusion. Okay. Verses 19 through 21, I identified for you as a conclusion. Now, if your Bible is like mine, you've got a heading right there above verse 19. Mine says, lay up treasures in heaven. Um, is that what you're saying also? Lay up treasures in heaven? Yeah. And yours probably do as well, or some version of that, depending on what version you have. This is the English Standard Version. Lay up treasures in heaven. You know, those little headings were not in the original language. Okay. You may not know that, but that's not inspired scripture. That's a translator um, that has said, uh, we want to kind of give people a shortcut to figuring out where they are in a sermon or a story or a narrative and sort of a summary of what's taking place in that passage. But what it's, it's tragic, though, because sometimes you miss something that should be connected to something else. And verses 19 through 21 should actually be connected to the passages before it. And that's that's. Um, you know, maybe different than something you've considered before. But let me let me read the passage for you and help you understand how they're connected. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, there's a couple of clues that were connected to the previous passage. One is I pointed out the Greek word for disfigure, agonizo, you know, some dis disfiguring in the face. That's the same word that's used for destroy here in this passage. I mean, I'm not even talking a different version of the word. It's the same exact word that's translated differently because of the context. Okay, you could almost say where moth and rust disfigure, it's the same word. It's a play on words. Jesus in this sermon is using this word here to connect to this word here to connect the passages. And he's also throughout been dealing with reward, 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 reward. It's hard to say over and over again. Reward. And now he's talking treasure. These passages are connected. So I'm not encouraging you to scratch out, you know, lay up your treasures in heaven heading, but maybe just consider that maybe this isn't a good place for that little heading there. Maybe consider that this passage should be connected to the one above. And here's the point. If you read it that way, which I think is the, the appropriate treatment. Seeking praise from man as you give alms, as you pray and fast, as you disfigure your face in fasting, seeking praise from men, as you serve and minister in any way, as you practice righteousness, is basically misplacing your treasure. It is placing treasure in a context where moth and rust will disfigure and destroy and thieves will steal. They are good deeds wrongly placed. It's praise and adoration from moths, from rust, from thieves. It's basically placing treasure where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. The moth, the rust and thieves are metaphor for the fickle taste of man. Ironically, we're so busy seeking man's approval and yet he's shedding some light on here. It's moths. It's rust. It's thieves. It's fragile. It's the wrong place to put treasure. As the wind blows, so goes the praise of man. We even have some idioms that we use here today and gone tomorrow. 15 minutes of fame. We know we have idioms that are connected to this concept. Calling somebody a has been. That's because people's praise are not connected to what they're doing anymore. We know that it's fleeting. Even Timothy was reminded by Paul. Preach the word in season and out, implying there'll be seasons where it ain't popular, where you ain't popular. Keep preaching. Don't preach your tickling messages. Don't preach to please. 
preach out of obedience. Man's praise, as great as it feels, is fleeting. And basically, to connect it to an Old Testament story, is a bowl of soup compared to the birthright and blessing from our Father in heaven. We know this, but yet we keep trying. We keep trying to please, but only a fool would choose to store treasure in a place that's prone to theft or exposure. Let's be honest. Only a fool would do such a thing. Our heart's desire should be pleasing our Father in heaven. He's the audience that matters the most. He sees in secret and his reward is treasure in heaven. Now, I want to be an honest broker with you this morning. That's true every time that we gather, every time that we're not gathering. I hope I can be an honest broker with you. I am a glory junkie. And I think you are too. I think that's why this concept and this conversation of hypocrisy is so uncomfortable for everybody. We are glory junkies. Man, we need our fix. We need praise and adoration. We need people to recognize our hard work and our sacrifice. We are glory junkies. I have a couple of uh, articles to share with you. Just a couple brief, brief excerpts from some. One was a study in 2016 uh, done on adolescents and what happened to them when their posts were liked on Facebook. Okay, this is this is interesting. All right, listen to this. There's the title of the article. Social media likes impact teen brains and behavior from May of 2016. The same brain circuits that are activated by eating chocolate and winning money are activated when teenagers see large number of likes on their own photos. Okay, it gets more interesting, gets more detailed and more scientific. When teens saw their own photos with a large number of likes, we saw activity across a wide variety of regions in the brain. A region that's especially active is a part of the striatum called the nucleus accumbens, accumbens which is part of the brain's reward circuitry. <laughs> What's lighting up when somebody likes your post is the reward center of your brain is lighting up, boy. The reward circuitry is thought to be particularly sensitive during adolescence. I don't know that it ever numbs completely, right? <laughs> Let's be really, really honest. What's interesting too, in the rest of the study, there was a group of virtual strangers. There was just a virtual scientific experiment. It wasn't even done with people that they know. They were being liked by strangers. And the, the, the researchers said, we should expect the effect would be magnified in real life when teens are looking at likes by people who are important to them. Man, we are glory junkies. It's not just teenagers, not just teenagers. Here's a, a little follow-up from September, 2019. I think that, that uh, little study just sort of exposed that we love praise and adoration. Who doesn't like it? We all love it. Uh, we like it more than we'd like, I think, to be really honest. And then the answer, the answer is actually in a comment in a follow-up article from that study. This is from September 2019. The answer is in our word, but this it's interesting what you're about to hear in this study. Uh, now, this apparently happened this last fall. I, I wasn't on Facebook at the time, so I don't know anything about this. You might be aware of this, this conversation. Uh, social media users are abuzz over news that Facebook is considering hiding one of its most engrossing features, the like count on posts. This Folks may have been oblivious to that. Some may have known all about that. Uh, many media outlets speculate that the move stems from, from psychological findings on the emotional and neurological effects of the proverbial thumbs up icon. They're speaking about the study that was done in 2016, specifically, especially. The social media giant has confirmed to journalists that it's testing the removal of like totals, something it has already tried with its Instagram photo sharing app. Under this setup, only the person who posts a piece can see the number of likes. So nobody else can see it, but you can. Now, this is interesting. Hang in there. Hang in there. A couple more little sections to read. Facebook says it wants its users to focus purely on posting and sharing and not on amassing likes. But the strategy emerges as researchers increasingly uncover the psychological effects that social media, social media interactions can have on well-being, particularly for adolescents. In fact, a study published by Psychological Science looked at specifically the influence of likes 
uh, scientific, or scientists at the University of Cornell, Los Angeles, found that when teenagers see large number of likes on their own photos, the photos of their peers, their brains reacted the same way they would eating chocolate or winning money. We're talking about the same study. Now, here's what's crazy. Listen to this. Facebook's consideration of a new approach to like counts doesn't appear to eliminate some key concerns about social media's impact on well-being because you can still see the like counts yourself. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Hang in there. This is, I'm making a point here that's really valuable. Cornell University psychologist, scientist Anthony Burroughs identified an important attitude that could influence a person's emotional reaction to their like numbers. Okay, you listening? Possessing a strong sense of purpose in life may make social media feedback relatively unimportant. <laughs> I'm going to read it again because that's awesome. Uh, uh, let me find it. Possessing a strong sense of purpose in life may make social media feedback relatively unimportant. unimportant. And explained from this very study, they look back at the data and massage the data more. That's a lot of times what happens in a research study. They come back and re-examine the, the study. And what they found is these, um, they had people take a selfie. Okay, and they had them post the selfie. And then they asked them questions about how they felt based on the varying number of likes. And then they coupled that with people that had a sense of purpose, had a sense of, of meaning already before they ever even took the selfie and, and participated in the study. The people that had a sense of purpose were left uninfluenced by the number of likes or, or absence of likes. That is beautiful. The findings suggest that some individuals rely on approval from others for a sense of meaning that they might otherwise lack. Man, that's telling, isn't it? How about this for a sense of purpose? How about the father's, your heavenly father's pleasure? as a sense of purpose, period. How about our heavenly father's pleasure for a sense of purpose and meaning, period. Man, I don't, you, don't, you don't need any more likes, dislikes. You're gonna be resilient. You're not gonna ride the roller coaster of who's liking posts and who's not liking posts if you can land on that. That is wonderful. Okay, so I have two little a little application points for you. Here's the first one. Practice secret worship. Practice secret worship. Give gifts to people or bless people that have a need and don't let them know where it came from and watch what happens. First of all, watch what happens to you because you're going to be weaned from this thing that you so need where you want people to say, hey, look what he did. Give gifts or care for somebody in a way where they don't see you and you'll be weaned. That's the first thing that happens to you. But here's the second thing that will happen. You'll watch them have to glorify God because they can't say thanks to anyone else. It's beautiful. I think that is where we discover the joy of giving. When we give secretly, we give anonymously, we give in a way that people can't thank anyone other than our heavenly father and you get to watch it like with binoculars, you these imaginary or real binoculars. You're watching this thing go down. You're like, that's awesome because they're looking around. Who am I supposed to thank here? Well, I guess I just have to thank the Lord. It is beautiful. Give, pray, fast, serve secretly and wean your, do what you can to wean yourself from this thing that we so desperately need. And here's the last thing I'll share with you. I, I told you I was going to give you two little helpful uh, points there. The first was practice secret worship. Here's the second one. This is from John chapter two, verse 23 and 24. It says, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. He's got a crowd this for me. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in a man. Put the right value on the praise of man that should be there. Man, encourage one another. Be thankful for encouragement from someone else, but don't thrive on it. Jesus himself did not entrust himself to men because he knew what was in a man. We are fickle and popularity can't be what guides you. It can't be what guides you. Our father is mentioned 10 times in this passage. He's the focus. He's the point. 
He sees and he rewards. Let's pray. God, what a sweet um, and yet painful, but transforming and helpful view in this passage of not only ourselves and what we're prone to, but what is truly valuable. Lord, I'm thankful that you shed some light on real treasure through this passage. I'm thankful that you are showing us um, what is not prone to moth and rust and decay. Lord, we are thankful that we have the opportunity as we serve you, focused on your eyes, fixed on Christ, as you are the audience, you are the purpose, you are our aim, that you do great things with that and you even reward us. What a blessing, Lord. We are thankful for this view. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'll give you a minute to distribute uh, distribute elements. If you have supper prepared, we have a supper here that we're going to be passing out. Uh, so give us a few minutes and then we'll share uh, the supper account from the book of Matthew. As you are finishing up preparing, as we are finishing up uh, having the um, cups and everything passed out. Share a, uh, a thought with you. You know, we are never more pleasing to our father than we are when, when we are delighting ourselves in his son. If we're talking about pleasing our father, we are never more pleasing to our father than when we are delighting ourselves in his son. Thank you, lad. As we heard a message from him today, oh, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. As we heard a message from him today, as we consider this um, illuminating and yet transforming passage, he should be enjoyed in this message as messenger. He should be enjoyed also as means for transformation. He is how we are reconciled inside and out with internals and externals, with heart and hand and mouth. He is how all that is accomplished. He's where we find transformation bit by bit, day by day, circumstance by circumstance that could have, and let's be really honest, often should have gone a whole lot better. But when you run to Christ, you hold fast to Christ, he transforms us. None of us are ever fixed. None of us are ever perfected in a moment. He transforms us bit by bit, occasion by occasion. He's the point of our ministry. He's the subject of our ministry. He's the treasure of our ministry and the aim of our ministry. So I'll share this passage with you and then we'll joy, enjoy him together. Matthew chapter 26. Verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Let's take and eat together in faith. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all of it, all of you. Take and drink. I'm going to say that first. Here's what he says last. This is, this is sweet. For this is my body of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Man, as we're enjoying the, the, the supper with our Lord, the bread and the cup, let's enjoy that he has forgiven us our failures. That has got to be the crowning reality of this whole sermon. We should walk away in victory, we should walk away knowing that if we hold fast to Christ, he is transforming us bit by bit. And we are already reckoned his. Man, that's really, really good news. So hopefully that'll be some calories for you, some nourishment.
for you this week as you wrestle with and uh, wrangle with this sermon as it hits you. Let me share a couple of brief announcements uh, again, and then we'll close in our benediction. Uh, we're praying this month for first responders. Um, man, reach out to a first responder and tell them thank you and uh, encourage them in, um, in what they're doing and just tell them how grateful you are. Uh, secondly, invite folks to join us online. This may be a medium where folks are able to taste and see that the Lord is good where they never would otherwise. This might be the place where people come into fellowship and uh, faith with the Lord. Uh, lastly, is a deacon meeting today at 4 p.m. via Zoom. So uh, I invite uh, our deacons to do the best you can to make that meeting, and we'll have you out of there uh, within an hour. And I'll close us with our benediction. So y'all stand, if you would. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great week. Man, you all right?